Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join special guest Keith Collins as he teaches from the Word of God. Now I'm on. Can you hear me? Amen. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. And give the Lord a hand clap and give this amazing worship team a round of applause. They always do such an amazing job. Well, I am so honored to be here. And, um, you know, I keep a preaching journal. And it's actually a year ago that I was here, almost, almost, I think a week shy of being a year. So I told someone, Brother Henry, must not have liked what I preached last time. No, just kidding. It's actually my fault because I've been in so many places, but I'm always, always honored to be here. And I know most of your faces. For those that do not know me, I'll tell you what I told the folks here a couple of years ago. If you like what I preach, my name is Keith Collins. If you don't, I'm Pastor Henry Jones. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Well, listen, um, always an honor to be here. You know, I have a history with the River of Life and really goes back to South Choppy First Baptist. And first time I met Brother Henry was actually in Crawfordville First Baptist Church. I know some of those folks are here. We've got some dear friends here, and we're so honored that they're here. But um, first time I heard him preach, I was a kid, and there was something about his delivery that really messed me up in a good way, and um, there was just something on his ministry, and so we go way back, and then actually when I was a 16-year-old kid, feeling that I was called to preach, he actually allowed me to speak down at Sop Choppy in one of the services, and, and then went to Bible college for a couple of years and came back and spent some time on staff here, and just you know, have such a love for this family and for Henry and Beth and their, their family and Chuck and Jennifer. And I know I'll get in trouble when I start mentioning names. But just so much history, Dallas and Diane. And just we go way, way back. So it's always, it's always like really coming home when I'm here. And, um, you know, I'm in so many parts of the world. I just came out of Italy a few weeks ago. I was there about 10 days preaching and, and then teaching um, a lot of Italian pastors on the island of Sicily where God's doing amazing things. I actually sent Brother Henry a message. I said, Brother, we are seeing a lot of people like radically saved on this island of Sicily. And um, so the mafia is getting saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but we saw God do great things in Italy and going back there again in a few months. And um, I'll be in West Africa again. Since the nations have kind of opened back up, I was in the Philippines about two and a half months ago and getting ready to go back to Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Liberia. Muslim nations where God's doing great things, but just always honored to, um, to be back here. Amen. And before I speak, I do want to just say that I'm blessed to have my family here, and um, I think they're in this section, so if you guys could wave at everybody. Amen. Mom, Tommy, everybody's back there. Praise God. We, we actually drove in. Darla and I left um, Charlotte about 4.30 yesterday morning and drove straight to Cape Sandblast and got a house there for about eight days, but... Um, the family came down a little later, but they're all here this morning somewhere, so we're just honored to have them here. And again, a lot of just dear childhood friends that are here, so just so good to be here. Amen? Well, I will tell you that I am um, I'm stirred in my spirit today. I actually um, brought three free books um, 
people always ask me, you know, why don't you sell your books? And sometimes I intend to so I can pray to, pay to get them reprinted, but um, I end up giving them all away anyhow, and the Lord always somehow supernaturally blesses me. But, but I wanted to, to spend some time in one of my chapters of my book, and I was prepared to do that. And um, finally got to bed last night about 10.30 or so and couldn't sleep. And so we're going a totally different direction. But I'm going to give free books away anyhow, all right? All right. So if your first name and last name begins with a Z, raise your hand. <laughs> Zig Ziglar's not here? <laughs> no. No. I, I'm kidding. No, if you are um, a young person and you're a Clemson fan. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, if you're a young person and you just want to walk close to Jesus and, and change your generation, just lift your hand. Praise God. Right there in the back, brother. Come on up here and get this right here on this row here. Come on up. Amen. I'll throw it to you. <laughs> we actually, this is our third book that I, um, I, I published at the end of last year. I've got a new one coming out beginning of next year, a fourth book. But um, this really, and this has some actual personal stuff. Matter of fact, Pastor Henry actually wrote an endorsement in this book for me. But um, this has some personal history as well as just a real encouragement to walk in our first love relationship with Jesus. Do you have this, Pastor Bill? No, I do not. Now you do, brother. Praise God. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Bill's message last Sunday? Actually, went. I told him I went and watched that because I don't want to be in, too intimidated. <laughs> Amen. And who, first hand I see over here that wants this, right here, come on, honey. Here you go. That's yours. Hey, listen, if you, we have, all three of our books are on Amazon. You just search my name and they'll come up. So anyhow, I'm not preaching on that book, praise God, but, but you have it this morning. So if you got one, but can I pray? And then I want to share um, something that the Lord has really just laid heavy on my heart today. Amen. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, for those that you have assembled here today in your name. And we just say it's such an honor to know you, to worship you, to be close to you, to walk with you. I pray today, Lord, change our lives, Jesus. May none of us walk out of this place the way that we walked in. But may we be further transformed into the image of Christ. Father, if there are chains in this room that need to be broken, we sung about that this morning already. Jesus, break every chain. Break every shackle, break every fetter. Father, every lie of the enemy, every attack of hell, Father, we pray that it would be severed by the power of Jesus through the power of his blood that you would set the captives free. Father, we thank you that your word still works. It's alive. The gospel still reaches to the lowest places and pulls out the sinner, Lord God, and sets them free and makes them the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus We pray today, Lord, let lives be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, turn with me this morning, if you would, to the book of James, the Apostle James and chapter 1. I want to read in a couple different places, and I'll tell you, I'm going to read in Proverbs in just a few minutes, and about seven years ago, I actually dealt with some of this book, and, and here, and I preached on some of this, and as hadn't really talked about this subject in quite a while, but, but the Lord's really just kind of refreshed this in my heart. And, um, and as I look at the condition of our nation, as I look at the condition of so much of the American church, I, I don't know about you, but, but I spend a lot of my time stirred to see Jesus glorified in my generation. And um, I don't need to 
stand up here and give you what Pew says and what Barna says and, and all these statistics that we can read. And as far as the church condition in America and North America, I don't need to tell you how many people are dying of suicide, how many will die before we leave this building today, even in this region. I don't need to tell you how many people are bound up in perversion and, and drugs and substance abuse, and we're, we're losing our young people like flies. Um, I mean, there, there are challenges that we have never seen, and beyond addiction and all those things, even ideologies, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one that has, has taught quite a bit. I actually have a three-and-a-half-hour um, seminar that, that I do on biblical worldview, and I, that, that'll be on our website here in about two months. But, but anyhow, we're trying to edit it. But, but as I look at the, the difference, even between the time when I was a young person in Crawfordville Elementary School, what we'll call a middle school, what we'll call a high school, and the condition of culture now, and we know there's still good people in education. I, I, I don't, you know disagree with that whatsoever. But, but the bottom line is this, friend. There is a very strong, insidious attack to destroy our nation and to destroy... Gener- it's not just a generation, it's generations. And the enemy has been very malevolent, very um, insidious, and very seductive the way he's brought certain things in. So we, we find our place, I believe, as the church with this incredible mandate to stand firm in the face of postmodernism, in the face of pluralism, in the face of perversion, in the face of ungodliness, in a generation that really sometimes even thinks that salvation is just maybe something that, that happens on a Sunday morning, then we kind of live into ourselves. No, friend, salvation is our walk with God. Yeah, I understand there's an initial time of being born again by the Spirit of God. I can look back and I can tell you the day that I was saved. But can I tell you something? Salvation is more than shaking a preacher's hand and repeating a prayer, even though that can be part of it. Salvation is a young, passionate Jewish man named Jesus that willingly laid his life on a cross and shed his blood. And he brings us into an intimate relationship with him and we're never the same again. It doesn't mean we don't have troubles. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? Um, a lot of people preach Jesus like he's Santa Claus or a genie in a bottle. I'm telling you, the Jesus that I serve asked me to pick up a cross and to follow him. At the same time, There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I live in the joy of the Lord even when I fight battles and fight demons and and, and the enemy comes against me even in the midst of the most horrific battles where the enemy's claws come down against my nature, against my soul. And sometimes it's almost as if we run red with blood. Even in the midst of those battles, there is still a table prepared for me according to King David in the presence of my enemy. But listen, friend, Christianity is not monopoly where you get the get out of hell free card. Salvation is, is more than grandma saying, boy, get your butt up there and say that prayer and get baptized. And maybe you got saved that way. Praise God if you did. But friend, there is something more that the church has to capture. We're losing generations. We are losing our, na- listen, our nation is free falling into hell this morning. Whether we like it, it's uncomfortable, but it's real. And there's, there's one antidote. It's not a Republican or a Democrat in the White House. It's not a political party. 
Friend, there, there's one antidote. Of course, it's Jesus, but it's the church being who the Lord has called us to be and being unashamed of the gospel in our generation. Now look at James, the first chapter, verses 13 through 15. James says, let no one say, and I'm reading out of the New King James this morning, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I want you to listen to this. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown or matured, brings forth death. Now, what I want to show you is that there is a cycle of sin that destroys humanity, that destroys the individual life. All of us in this room can tell a story of somebody that we know that the enemy is destroying through sin. So I I want you to remember that. And if if you're taking notes, um, I want to call this message this morning, full grown sin. I was going to call it the maturation of sin, but that sounded too theological Bible college like. So I, I understand it better. It's just full grown sin. When sin reaches, so James says, listen, I want you to hear it again. He said that, listen, that something happens when you're drawn away by your own lust, by your own desires, and you're enticed. Then desire has conceived, and when it conceives, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it reaches its maturation or its full-grown period, it brings forth death. Now, can I tell you something? There ain't none of us escaping death, friend. Right Now, we might go by way of the Lord coming to get his church, and and that's fantastic. But aside from that, every one of us will face death at some point in our lives. It might be at the age of 90. We had a lady in our neighborhood recently a few weeks ago, Miss Pearl. She died at 106 and was still in her right mind, just went on. But even at her age, that is nothing compared to eternity. But the bottom line is every one of us will face death and I don't know about you, and I'm not old, but I will be 55 on September the 14th, which is a few days away. And I feel great, but I know I'm not 25 anymore. And I know that this, this last 55 years really went by very, very fast. Very fast. I mean, in my mind, I'm still playing, you know, junior major league baseball at the rec park up here in MedArt. I mean, I, I still remember the, the smells, the feels, the sound. And somehow I got from that to being married now almost 38 years with eight grandchildren and preaching the gospel now for over 37 years. My, my point is this. In 55 more years, if I'm still preaching, it'll be God. I probably won't be, but it went by very fast. But listen, every one of us will deal with death, but there is a different death that the apostle James is talking about here. But I want to tell you something. Galatians 6, 7 is very clear. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. You, you can't sow to sin and rebellion and ungodliness and not reap a harvest from doing that. The maturity, the, the full-grown cycle of sin is always death. Let me show you in the Bible where this is so clear. Go with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter 7 this morning. Proverbs chapter 7. This is um, probably one of the most clear 
narratives in the Word of God to me when it comes to how sin plays out in the life of an individual. Proverbs 7, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live in my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Now, for those women that feel a little offended that he deals with that, it, it, it can be an immoral man too, right? But the, the point is that the woman here, the immoral woman represents the power of seduction and sin in the life of an individual. And I want you to watch this story here. It's amazing to me how there's nothing in life that we see or experience that we can't find Scripture for that gives light to it or gives understanding to it. Listen to what the Word says. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, verse 7, and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man, devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and with a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. I mean, you know, that sounds like the enemy. She caught him and she kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Why? For my husband is not even at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech or words, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, listen to this, immediately. I want you to see the power of seduction, the power of giving in to temptation. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. And do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of death. All I can say is, wow. What a picture of the cycle of sin in the life of an in, in the life of a nation. What a what a, a visual that the Lord provides us through His Word with regard to those that play with sin, those that flirt with filth and, and, and pet perversion and live in such a way that they, they feel like they can kind of manage their existence and kind of keep on the upper track. There are many men and women, strong and weak alike, that throughout the generations have thought that they could take on life by the tail and win. And I'm telling you, nobody wins without Jesus Christ. And we don't like to hear this 
especially, I'm not saying this church, but in much of modern theology. We don't want to hear that there is still a heaven and a hell that awaits those of us that, that, that leave these bodies one day and, and we, we go to be in eternity and there is an ultimate end to this life, my friend. For those of us that are born again, that are truly saved by the blood of Jesus, there is a further consummation that awaits us. I, I call us the already, but the not yet people. In other words, we've already been born again. We are, according to Paul in Ephesians, we're even seated with Christ in heavenly places now. However, there is a fuller experience or consummation where we put off mortality and we take on immortality. And one day we have spirit bodies according to the word of God and we can handle the fullness of the glory of God. We can't handle it now. He's too holy. But however, he allows us to experience his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. But can I tell you something? Those that do not know him will be eternally separated from him forever. Listen, there was a great revivalist. Some of you know his name. His name was Charles Finney, Charles G. Finney. Finney was a powerful evangelist, really. I mean, had a real call of God upon his life and studied law and then got radically born again. And God used him in the 1800s in what we know as the second great awakening in America. But he was a very passionate preacher and somewhat, some people would even say intimidated, even his, if you see pictures of Finney's eyes, I mean, I'm kind of intimidated looking at him. But, but, but he, 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 he preached with, with such passion and he's, he's a guy, you can go study his life. He would go into a town, I was recently up in Reading, Pennsylvania, about three weeks ago, preaching in the area. And Finney was in Reading, came in at one point and stayed for like three or four months and pretty much the entire town got saved. I mean, everybody. Like they, they shut down the bars and, and the pubs. I mean, every, everybody got so radically saved that everybody was at church and prayer meetings and, and reaching the laws. But Finney had this type of influence, his ministry, that even up in Yonkers, New York, you can study that revival. But, but they asked Finney one time when he was older in life and at that point was the president of Oberlin College in Ohio. They said, how is it that you preach with such passion every time you preach? And Finney simply said this, when I preach, I behold the glory of heaven and the reality of hell, and in that vein, I preach the gospel. You see, friend, oftentimes in modern ministry culture, we feel like we're called to give TED Talks instead of Jesus Talks. We, we, we feel like, and listen, I'm not against encouraging people. I know there's definitely room for that. There's, the Bible speaks to that. We are blessed and all that. But let me tell you something, friend. Have you seen what's happening to our nation A TED Talk is not going to change America, friend. It's only the power of the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and ascended back to the Father, coming back for his church that's going to change a generation. As I have stood, and you've heard me say this before, if you've been in any meetings I've preached here, as I have stood some nights before 10,000 Muslims at a time, Places like Bo City, Sierra Leone, or Freetown, Sierra Leone. As I have stood, I, I'm not there to give a motivational speech of how you can be a better you. I realize there's a people that are in bondage, in deception, and there is a type of, of demonic activity in that part of the world where Islam and witchcraft are mixed together. And it's one of the most evil forces 
of wickedness that I've ever seen. Matter of fact, oftentimes when I'm preaching the gospel, this might sound strange, but literally demons begin to manifest all around me because the gospel of Jesus Christ begins to penetrate their hearts and the deception and the demons, they realize it's real. Listen, there's a reason, Pastor Bill, why I can come into any setting in a college setting and I could teach on Hinduism, I could teach on Taoism, I could teach on Shintoism, I've done all this. I've taught war religions, I could teach on Mormonism, I could teach on Buddhism, I could teach on all of these things and give you all the facts and all the dates. But when I come and begin to teach about Jesus who said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Where Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When you preach that, people begin to get disturbed. Demons begin to... to why? Because it's the only truth that, that speaks to the eternal condition of humanity. And they have to deal with this reality. Listen, we saw hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of young Italians running to altars in Italy a few weeks ago. I wasn't preaching to them that, honey, everything's going to be okay. You just try a little hard. And I'm preaching to them, get before Jesus. Humble your heart before the only one that can help you. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. And the Lord will make himself available to you. See, there's, there's a problem. There's a problem with the way I think oftentimes, listen, you might say, man, this guy's intense. I, I, I feel the weight of my nation. I feel the weight of young people. I feel the weight of people in my own family that are living in deception and addiction and bondage. Friend, listen, this is life and death. There, there's not rewind buttons on life where I'm going to go back to 20 and start. No, there is no starting again. You got one opportunity. And I'm going to tell you, so that might be this morning. Is he trying to scare us? If I can, yeah. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. Hell is very real. Heaven is very real. And when we begin to play and pervert the gospel into some humanistic, secular feel. Listen, again, I'm fine with people feeling good if they're in Christ. But listen, friend, there's something wrong with a church culture that can embrace everything that's against the word of God and people never feel disturbed in their sinful condition. The word of the Lord speaks to the condition of humanity over and over and over. Modern theology, we've kind of like renamed, I'm not saying here, but a lot of people have renamed and redefined sin as, well, that's just their weakness. Oh, their whole family's like, they're all a bunch of, Bigots, they're all a bunch of idiots. That's it, the whole family's like that. Uh, they might go to church, but they ain't ever going to church. That's not the gospel. Paul said, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation, a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's the gospel. Now, I understand we, we grow in grace, right? And some grow at different levels. I, I have no problem with that. And I know discipleship is so important. But can I tell you something? And this might not be comfortable, but it's true. There are many people that I believe have had salvation conferred upon them that have never been born again of the Spirit of God. 
And they live their whole lives in their human effort and strength, trying to be a Christian and trying to be godly and trying to be holy. Friend, can I tell you, Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live anymore. But it's Christ that lives in me. I'm not who I used to be. Friend, if you're a child of God, I can remember who I used to be, but I am not that person anymore. The the night I was radically born again, January the 24th of 1985, everything, I wasn't perfect and I made mistakes, but something on the inside radically shifted. My spirit gained cognizance. I was born again. That eternal part of me began to communicate with the eternal creator and I knew that I was not the same person that I was before that night. See, friend, this is not a formula. This is a lifestyle. This is Jesus radically changing our hearts. I I would say this morning that there are even some in this room that, and again, I understand Christians can struggle, and I'm not preaching if you make a mistake, you go to hell. I don't believe that. I believe God's grace is much bigger than that. You understand And I'm not one of those type of people. I understand that. But but can I tell you something? If your life has never changed, if there's never been fruit of repentance in your life, I don't care if you can preach the paint off the walls, friend. If there's never been any fruit of repentance in your life, if you've never been humbled under the hand of Almighty God, if you've never come to brokenness, and humility, because you realize how wretched and far away you are from God. And friend, you, you, you've probably never really been born again of the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you that there is power to save to the uttermost in this place this morning. Some of you are in this cycle of sin. We can all, and we won't do it, of course. We could all... Give names. We could all stand and give names. People that, that we knew. I, I remember I, I was in the state of New Jersey. Darling and I, we first got married. This is years ago. We've been married. This next year will be 38 years. But, but, but I remember, this is probably 35, 36 years ago now. I was in upstate New Jersey where my first cousins were raised. And I remember my cousin took me out to a cemetery. And here's what she told me. She said, you see that grave, that grave, that grave. There's like, I think it was six, if I remember right, six graves. They were all pretty close to each other, and they all were freshly dug. And you could tell the dirt hadn't settled on the top. She said, every one of those were kids that signed a suicide pact. And one would kill themselves, and then like a week later, another one would kill themselves. And then a week later, another one. And they ended up, and these were kids that she went to school with. And I thought, God, what, a, what an insidious, demonic attack on that generation. Here's my point, friend. Sin plays for keeps this morning. Uh, you, can, you can think that you're tough enough to beat it. You ain't ever going to beat it, friend. Can I tell you something? Nobody wakes up one morning with the aspiration to become an addict, an alcoholic, or a sexual pervert. You don't wake up that way. 
But somewhere along the way, you're, you're seduced and you're enticed by your own desires. And then all of a sudden, you enter into a lifestyle of sin. And then the claws of the enemy get into your life and begin to manipulate you and deceive you. And all these things begin to work. And then demonic activity. We don't like to talk about it, but friend, demons are very real. They, they get involved in the destruction process. And unless you are born again by the Spirit of God, death is the final chapter of sin according to James you might say, man, I'm not an addict, I'm not a drug addict, I'm not a sexual friend. You can just be arrogant and prideful. There are many people that, that are too prideful to humble themselves before the Lord. Can I tell you, the word of God says one day, one or two things. We'll fall on the rock, which is Christ, or the rock will fall on us and crush us into powder. That's not Keith. And listen, and I know Jesus is loving and he's merciful, but also know that he's provided a way of escape. Listen, the reason we're here at River of Light this morning, I, I don't really need another speaking opportunity. I mean, I, 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 I'm honored, and, and I'm a preacher, and I love preaching, but I'm not here just to preach. Leonard Ravenhill said, when ministry becomes a profession and ceases to be a passion, get out of the ministry. Amen. But I, I, I'm here because my heart breaks for a generation, for, for a county, for a state, for a nation. I'm here because I am divinely disturbed at the deception that's being spewed into our nation. And I'm watching people. It's almost like because of ideologies, they even have a hard time even coming into the simplicity of the truth of the gospel. And the enemy has placed his hands upon their lives. There's, there's some of you here this morning, friend. That the Lord is speaking to you. You're away from God. Some of you, you've never even known Jesus. Maybe you even might attend a church. Maybe this church. And maybe you've even felt the Holy Spirit deal with your heart at different times. But do you really know him? Do you know what it means to have salvation in your life? Are you here because somebody invited you, or are you here because you hunger for more of Jesus? Everyone, it's, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your grandkids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your neighbor. We all know people, friend, that the enemy, I'll put it this way, is snuffing out. And despite all the modern ideology and philosophies, despite the fact that, um, that America not just embraces, but now we celebrate and provoke, promote sin and perversion. And we call it tolerance and even love. Friend, the end result of that is always death. In your life this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Savior? That you've been born again? Listen, I, I don't stand here as somebody holy than that. I stand here as a human that's made mistakes. But I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus set his love in my heart many years ago, I've never been the same. Oh, there have been times in my ignorance, especially in my youth, where God even used people like Henry and Beth to say, I mean, I, I'm paraphrasing, but to kind of jerk a knot in my chain and say, well, you know, what are you doing, Right? 
And God does that because he loves us. But, but listen, some of you have never really even experienced freedom. You've tried everything. You've tried AA and NA. And listen, some of that might be, I'm not knocking anything. If that helps people get off, praise God. I mean, that, that's fantastic. But can I tell you something? There is a one-step program. And if it's true, but whom the sun sets free and free indeed, then I'm just going to tell you it's true. Listen, I, I, I know a former witch in Africa was delivered of multiple demons. Scared to death at this part. Matter of fact, the first time we went in there, he stood on a hill as myself and a pastor friend of mine from Washington, D.C. were walking into this village area to preach one night. And was doing some type of incantations and spells over us. And the Lord arrested his heart in that meeting that night. And that, that, that witch now is preparing to be a pastor of a church in that same village. Now, my point is this, friend. If Jesus can save a witch, <laughs> friend, he can save anybody. If he can save me, he can save anybody. And I tell you, I, I don't, I'm not begging you, please come. I'm telling you, friend, there is a way of escape this morning. And can I tell you something, man? These are, I'm going to take my shoe off. This is the greatest pair of shoes I've ever had. I feel like I'm like 75 and I live in the villages wearing these. I mean, they're light and they're, but can I tell you something? When I first tried them on, I tore my ankle at running last year. My tendons on the outside of my ankle and I was preaching up in Apollo, Pennsylvania at a tent meeting. And I came in with a boot on. And the pastor said, hey, man, you got to try these shoes. And he brought me out a pair of these Ufos. And it revolutionized my foot. I mean, I, 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 And I, now I've been watching commercials where these athletes are saying, use these for rehab. M- my point is this. I tried these on and I liked them. But Jesus is not a pair of shoes that you try on to see if you like or not. Matter of fact, sometimes... Most of the time, he's going to cause you to be uncomfortable first because he's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with your rebellion. He's going to deal with your sin. But friend, he comes in with love and with grace and with mercy. And he does heal broken marriages. He does set the addict free. He does put us in families like this, this family of God, where people embrace us and speak life into us and they love us. And this morning, I want you to stand with me if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Could you bow your heads before the Lord this morning as just a sign of humility? Those of you that are born again of the Spirit of God, I want you to begin to pray. Thank you again for watching our message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, Or if you need someone to pray with, please contact our office at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us Sunday mornings at 1030 or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit us at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.